0: episode number 25 of the reinventure me podcast Well, if you're leading an organization well you'll need to transition it at some time to the next generation but you'll need to know when and in this episode of reinventure me i explore that topic with a man who did that exceedingly well thanks for joining us find your next great beginning Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of Reinventure Me, the podcast where we talk about what's next in life and we believe that we should never stop asking the question, what do I want to be when I grow up? This is Larry Gates and my co-host Armin Asadi would say hello except he's on a missions trip in Honduras. So today I'm privileged to have My good friend, Pastor Roger Thompson from Berean Baptist Church, a a sizable church here in the Minneapolis area, he's going to talk about his own great beginning and the transition that he went. Welcome, Roger. Glad you could be part of the program.
1: Thanks, Larry. Good to be a part of this.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad to have you be a part of this show, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've watched what you've gone through, the transition that you've made and are making, and I'm just really impressed by what you have gone through and I know our listeners are going to learn a lot from you, get to the show notes for this show at reinventure.me slash 25. We, uh, we want to talk about what happened with you, Roger. Now, you're leading a sizable church. You I met you when you moved here from Colorado, which is my old home state, so I was anxious to meet another Coloradoan who fearlessly came to Minnesota. And if I remember right, it was in the middle of winter, wasn't it? It was,
1: January. It was January. It was really cold here, right? It was 20 below zero, I thought we'd come to Iceland. Yeah, and days you never forget. When, that's right. When you first, get up here to Minnesota. My family really remembers me <laughs> dragging them here in the middle of January. Yeah. So you left a
0: pastorate in Colorado to come here, and that was twenty years ago. And certainly 20,
1: twenty-three, but, 20, who's, who's counting, but who's counting? Who's counting winters? <laughs> <laughs> well, then yeah. it's a lifetime. Yeah, that's right.
0: It's a lifetime ago. So then you, Berean Baptist Church is a is a sizable church. So talk about the church for a minute. When you came. What did you discover?
1: The church uh, just celebrated its 50th anniversary, so it began here in 1964. And um, I'm, I think, the fifth pastor at Berean Mm -hmm. and uh, the longest-serving pastor. Mm. uh, Served the most number of years. Uh, The church is a healthy, vibrant church. We're a multi-generation church. We we are a four-generation church. We would be what you'd call a, a complex church in the sense that we do two different worship styles. We have a full education system. We have a preschool on the campus, um, kind of a full, full program in all of our ages and uh, three services of worship. And um, so it's a very, it's a sizable church. Uh, we're, I don't know, maybe 2,500 people, Calbury and home. We don't know how to count anymore. There's such a suburban churn of people. But it's a much bigger organization than I'd ever been a part of. And it still pretty much boggles my mind to try to get my arms around the size of the organization.
0: Well, I've had the privilege of knowing you and ministering with you in that church for many, many years, and just walking alongside of you and seeing your ministry there. You're very well respected. Uh, You've had a terrific ministry there. But something happened inside of you not too long ago, a year ago, a year and a half. Tell us about what transpired.
1: Well, it really st- started long, long before a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, we made public a plan for my transition. But that plan really was probably hatched maybe four or five years ago in terms of me thinking about it. I had been at several pastor's conferences. Uh, I reached the age of 60. To me, it's just a number. Maybe I'm not in touch with reality, but I think I play a lot younger than my age. I just turned 65. Mm. But to me, those are just numbers and, mm-hmm. and they're not intimidating numbers to me. So it wasn't a matter of retirement, but I began asking the question, how do you transition in a healthy way? We've all got war stories. We've all got horror stories of how it's gone terribly awry. Uh, I also wanted to ask the question, when am I at the top of my game in a sense? When When do I feel like I've, I've contributed as much as I can contribute to this particular church. And that's a hard question to answer. But I began to ask that question seriously about four years ago. I was talking to my wife about it. I talked to a couple of trusted friends about it, just, just talking about the idea of transition, mm-hmm. because I knew the day would come sooner or later. And defensively, of course, you want to make that decision yourself. You don't want... Your elders having meetings without you. Oh sure, yeah. You know, (laughs) by then it's too late. By then, yeah, (laughs) you you don't want people behind closed doors saying, you know, has he really lost a step? Yeah. You know, what's happening to this guy? Mm
0: -hmm. You said that was part of going out at the top of your
1: game. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to draw a sports analogy, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I really wanted to go out when I was feeling like I was at least in full stride. That I wasn't. I wasn't lagging and feeling like I'm coasting to the end. I think if there's anything that. Been true of of my desire. It's been that I never never wanted to be a lazy or unfruitful pastor, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want anyone ever to think that I was coasting Mm. uh, into the twilight years, but that I was leading. So then I began as as time went on. We began hiring new staff in different different phases of our life as a church. And this younger staff were very good for me, and I, I think I relate well to them, but I'm also aware that there is a generation. Mm. You know, pretty soon I'm old enough to be the father of my entire staff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're younger than my daughters. And I'm thinking, I know how I perceive myself, but I wonder how they perceive me. <laughs> He's <laughs> the guy you in know? the way, <laughs> yeah, and and you know they <laughs> they've been very kind. I should say that, but what are they really thinking? Again, I know how I feel, and I know how I feel like I project. But when a newcomer comes to Berean, what are they seeing in the mm-hmm. pulpit? Mm-hmm. I really represent the organization to them. I'm the most visible face of the ministry. Yeah. Now we all know people who have served as pastors who have gone on into their seventies and eighties, and they're they're revered as kind of the lions of the of the tribe, and and they've been spokespeople and, and good teachers and all that. And so I don't want to discount that at all. But I really felt like as a leader of of an organization, an organism like we had at Berean, that I had taken the church as far as I could take it. Mm. And and really, when I looked inside of myself, I I didn't find the energy that I felt I needed to take it to the next step, whatever that next step was. Even though I was fully engaged, totally interested in spiritual development, uh, constantly working on my own communication ability, studying structure, and all the things that go along with leading an organization. Fascinated by all that, and loving the staff that I had, I still felt like when, when it comes right down to it, I'm not sure I can take them to the next place.
0: Now, so, was there something that triggered that? Was there, there, was there something at some point in time that you saw, Roger, that said, yeah, that's it, finally I've sealed my decision? Because I know you were contemplating this for some time, but what caused you to seal the decision?
1: Uh, I don't think I could answer it in that way. Okay. I, I think I subscribe to a principle that's found in the book of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and it says if you feel like you've heard from the Lord, you should test that with other people yeah. who are mature. right? Well, my wife is my first sounding board, uh-huh. and then a, a few trusted friends, you among them, mm-hmm. I began sort of testing this out. Am I, am I hearing something from God? Not so much about ending, but does God have something
0: a for me? A new beginning.
1: A new beginning yeah. in my life that I'm, that I'm afraid to embrace, or I'm, I'm shackled to embrace because I feel like, well, I, I'm fully employed. Not as a job. I'm fully employed in all of my capacity as a pastor, and I shouldn't be thinking about anything else.
0: Yeah. Now, back in episode two of Reinventure Me, we talked about is it time to give your job a shove? And one of the things that we ended up talking about there is signs of healthy discontent, when you basically have outgrown the pot that God has put you in. Did you have some of that going on as you looked back?
1: Well, I certainly didn't outgrow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe the church has outgrown me mm. uh, in that sense, the challenges. Uh, I, I think if I were to put it into one phrase, and, and I hope your listeners will understand this, but there's so many things about the pastor that I love— but the part that wearies me is what I would call running the church.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it's it's the planning cycle, it's the it's the all the responsibilities for staffing ultimately. And I don't do all a lot all that work, all the spade work, but I'm ultimately in the room when those decisions are made. Yeah. The the eldering of the church, though I love the spiritual dimensions of that, those come naturally and energetically to me, but uh, finances, capital campaigns, new staff, uh, future campuses, mortgages, uh, all the daily stuff, I began to be less and less excited about what that would mean for tomorrow, and more and more weary in the doing of it. And that, to me, signaled that that I'm not the healthiest leader that this church needs at this time. And it wasn't a, a meltdown. We didn't have any crises. In fact, everything was probably better managed, not by me, but by my team, than ever before. I just felt like there, there's something else that's stirring in me mm. that I I would love to do. I'm an adventurer by heart. At, by heart and uh, here's the analogy I've told to many people, that if life was a wagon train, that I'm naturally wired to be the scout, mm. you know, to travel light, to yep. get on my horse, go over the hill and I don't need a map. I'll just go and yeah, find I out what's out there. Yeah, I see that in you. Yeah. And, and that's how I'm naturally wired. Mm-hmm. But I felt like God has asked me for the last 40 years to be the wagon master, mm. which means I can't travel any faster than the slowest wagon. Mm. And I have to keep <laughs> circling back to see if they're all still coming. <laughs> and and, and if, you don't care
0: so much to make if, sure the beans are still and, stirred, right. Right. And there's
1: <laughs> fire in the... You know, if they have firewood and, you know... Right. And if the, the wounded are taken care of, the wagon wheels are greased. And again... I I have loved the pastorate, and I do love the pastorate. But there's aspects of it that don't fit my wiring, and I kept wondering, Lord, do you have something? Assuming that I'm healthy physically and spiritually, do you have something more for me that you want me to do at this phase of my life? And so for me, the the inspiration is Caleb in the Old Testament mm-hmm. book of Joshua, where, if you know the story at all, it was just Joshua and Caleb who saw the promised land at the beginning, and then had to spend 40 years in the desert. But at the end of that 40 years, God kept them alive. And at that point, Caleb's 85 years old. He helps them go in and fight for the land, and then he finally says, Now, God, I'm 85. I'm as strong as I've ever been. I want this hill country. Mm -hmm. He didn't want the easy part. He wanted the part where the giants lived. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm no Caleb, and I'm not 85, but I do feel spiritually as strong as ever. And I've always had this inkling running through my mind that the years of 65 to 80, just pick some rough boundaries, should be our most spiritually influential years. Mm. We've been there, done that. We, we, you know, our families, our life experience, um, we ought to be over some of the the touchiness and ego-driven natures mm-hmm. of our lives. Mm-hmm. And and people are looking, especially men, are looking for mentors. And so I've wanted to kind of pass into the the sage category.
0: Yeah, so not retirement, uh, but give back
1: time. Right, yeah, yeah, not retirement at all. Really redeployment, refirement, as somebody told me is yeah. the word. Uh, so I've had an awfully hard time convincing people that I'm not retired. I, I retired out of my position, but I... I rearmed myself with a whole new assignment. Yeah, just to be Amen. clear
0: for our listeners, what you yeah. did was you took a step to tell your elder board that it was time for them to find your successor and right. you are still remaining on as part-time role in the church. Yes. Uh even after a process of them bringing in a successor now led by Pastor Wes Feltner after what was really a remarkable search process. But Roger, you led the elder board through that, didn't you?
1: I I instigated this. Right. And um, I felt like that was the healthiest way to do it. So I instigated, I made it clear to the board, this is what I want to do. They talked to me about it for about a year, Mm. and then finally said, well, if we're going to do this, we need to lay down some milestones. Now, let me give you a little backstory here, because one thing about the pastorate is that when you leave a pastorate, you normally leave not only your job, but you leave the people you love, you leave your friendships, hmm. and often you start over someplace, Yeah, because it's your whole social network. Yeah,
0: it's devastating.
1: And so we had a desire that that we could stay in the community that we love, but that's a very delicate flower, and we can't demand that, but our desire was, can we transition in such a way, not only that it's healthy for the church, but it's healthy for us. And so I had to hold any role, any future role, very lightly. Mm -hmm. But basically, I transitioned with the idea that I would simply move over from my current role as senior pastor, Wes would come in as lead pastor, and I would pastor alongside of him, but very clearly put him in the lead, and I would take an associate role. As it's turned out, I'm still halftime with Berean, and I'm halftime with another men's ministry organization called Man in the Mirror. And it's been an amazing journey to arrive at those two assignments that are very uh, coherent together, and to to still be on the staff at Berean, the church I love.
0: And both of those organizations, obviously Berean's an excellent church, and Man in the Mirror I'm very well uh, familiar with, uh, led by Pat Morley and my friend David Delk, and those guys are tremendous, and what a great organization to have you be a part of as well.
1: Well, it's, there's a whole story of how that happened, mm-hmm. but uh, it, I really feel like I'm, I'm being given the opportunity to do some things that I've wanted to do my whole life. So I feel in many ways I'm like that scout. I'm, being, I'm, I'm able to travel lighter, uh, pursue the things that are more in my gift area, and, and obviously any kind of ministry, any kind of life in, involves work. But I feel like I'm doing more percentage of my gifting than than ever before. Well, I, I'll be honest with you, Roger.
0: <clears throat> I've been your friend since you moved up here. And we did share those conversations privately about your thinking about your next beginning. And some of your thinking about remaining on and telling the elder board and all that. And I'm, I'm like, it doesn't normally work that way. And... This is going to be really hard, and I hope my friend Roger doesn't get severely
1: disappointed. Well, you thanks know? for sharing your skepticism uh, at this juncture. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I
0: hold back. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it was concerned concern for you because, yeah. obviously, this is not something that's normally done. But I want to tell you, I was in that – was it a commissioning or a transfer service? I forgot what you called but it was a commissioning, commissioning service. service where you handed the baton to Wes – And the words that you spoke and the words that he spoke and the way the elders blessed you guys was phenomenal. I sat there just thinking, this is the way it should be done in every church. Every change of leadership should be this honoring because it isn't about you, right? You're the leader, we're the leader of the church. Wes is now the leader of that particular church, but it's not about either of you guys, no. because it isn't your church. That's right. And and I just saw the way you guys honored that principle that this you're stewards and you're just conferring stewardship from one person to the next generation, and I thought it was remarkable. I mean, there was a part of me that was still a little skeptical. Like, how much of this is mirrors? You know, how much of this is is PR? But it wasn't. It's not. And everything that I have seen, and the hearts of you and the uh, Wes and the staff, and the way everybody has responded to that, has been absolutely over the top phenomenal from my read.
1: Well, thank you for that feedback. That gives me uh, confidence that what you saw publicly could be duplicated by anybody. With just words. Well, you turned to But skeptic. there's a backstory. There's a backstory to that, which mm-hmm. is, I think, highly unusual and, and that I have been uh, very blessed to be a part of. That my transition came in a time when, you know, one of my desires was to go when I was at full stride, sort mm-hmm. of at the top of my game. Right. You know, hopefully, you know, selfishly when people would say, oh, don't go, you know, y- you want to hear that. <clears throat> but I didn't want to do it out of that reason only. But secondly, I wanted to do it when our, our board was strong, and I've been blessed for the last eight years with one of the strongest, most cohesive and unified board of elders that I've ever served with, mm-hmm. with some key leaders who, that I could trust my life to, because I knew when I raised the issue of transition that I was putting myself in the hands of the elders, mm-hmm. right. and it would be a no turning back. I couldn't take take that back and say, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah, Yeah, just kidding. Forget what I said. As
1: soon as you say those words, you are entrusting other people, Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. They are going to feel the responsibility, and they're going to have to live with whatever the, the fallout of that is. So I had this relationship with my elders. The third thing that was a factor for us was our staff was very healthy and stable. We weren't in a season of a lot of transition, mm-hmm. and our church was very we hadn't changed major program things for a while, not to say that that has to be that way, but there were some real things about stability here that that made that, that possible that my transition would not upset those things mm-hmm. you know that was enough change. you for weren't like in the
0: middle of a big capital campaign no or... in fact
1: we were just winding one down and mm-hmm. uh, so there were a lot of many things that are unique about our situation that That was more than just how the process happened. But what I did is I basically said to the elders, my life is in your hands. Now, I know I'm a part of this search process, but you appoint the search team, find the candidate, and then I had some interview opportunities as he came. But um, I wasn't really a key part of the selection process until the very end.
0: Yeah. Well, I know it was a, probably a little bit of a scary time for you, that time when, when you finally decided to open up and tell the elders, this is what's going on, this is what we need to do, and to pull the trigger on that. And it, and it makes me think about our inspire me verse for today, because mm. we've talked about this yeah. a lot over the years, about being strong. It is from Joshua nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, that had to be of some comfort to you, just to know, as you mentioned, Caleb, but Joshua as well, to be with you wherever you go, and you've got this next great beginning, and now you put yourself at their mercy by saying, this is, I don't know where I need to go. You didn't have that mapped out, right? No, I didn't. You you took this step without knowing what your next great beginning was going to be. You just knew that that was the next right thing to do. Exactly. And and that's been a little bit of a mantra for you, isn't it, doing the next right thing? do the next
1: right thing thing is kind of the phrase of my life. Yes. But I I also think this has so much to do with uh, who I am. By that I mean, what is my identity in Christ? Hmm. Do I know who I am? Uh, Do I know that I'm a son and that, that my occupation, my title, my role does not define me? That's Right. Now that's easy to say, and it's real great to preach. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing when you look at your life and you say, "Well, what will my life be when I'm when I'm not preparing for this big delivery every Sunday?" Yes. Will I still feel like I'm in the battle? Will
0: yeah, like I, you're contributing, right? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: uh, not just am I in the center of attention. Yeah. But am I am I in the battle the way I want to be? What What will happen to these last forty years of experience if I change my role? Uh, one of the funny things is. I keep my my sermon notes in little six-by-nine binders, mm-hmm. little notebooks. Mm-hmm. And I have about four or five pages of notes each week. Well, I have 70 of those notebooks wow. that are full of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> you
0: got a lot of writing to
1: do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, and I realized nobody wants those notebooks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nobody is going to want those notebooks. Because, you know, maybe my daughters will keep one or two, but, you know, 65 of them are going to be landfill one day, and I sweat blood hours oh, yeah. and hours over right. those illustrations and all that exegesis, and my life is in those notebooks, but it's like... it's well, like you're a,
0: identifying with Solomon in Ecclesiastes, yeah. right? Vanity of vanities, it's all vanity, right?
1: But it's an illustration that, you know, this is not about me. Yes. This is a living church, it's a living organism... And very little of what I've said will ever be remembered. Mm-hmm. And if, if I insist on that being the case, I will never transition, I'll never retire, I'll never let go of my control. And so getting back to the identity piece, it it really challenges uh, where do I find my self-worth, my significance, uh, and, and is it something deeper than my role? Yeah. And then there comes a time when you, you say, well... If it's really true that I'm more than my role right now, I have to take this next faith step and release that. Mm-hmm. So the release came first, and some of the clarity came much later. Yeah,
0: that's good. I mean, we talked in episode five about how change affects identity, and we often build up you know, our own self-esteem based on our contribution, just like you were talking about. When you make a change, you're starting over as a beginner. You know, in whatever you're doing, in some ways you 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 can draw upon all of your experience, but you're moving into a new footprint, and that has a lot of impact on how we how we feel about ourselves. But I like what you said about not trying to hold on to the worth of all the work that you put into. Metaphor that I've been thinking about as it relates to these new transitions is is like a wave coming from the ocean onto the shore. When you watch a wave hit the shore, there's the water that hits the shoreline recedes back and builds strength into the next wave that's to come. But if we try to hold on to those 70 notebooks and all that work that we did, it's like we're trying to keep the water up on the shore, and it robs us of something that could be stronger in our next wave that comes. So I, I know that God's using even those all that prep time that you put into those 70 notebooks filled with messages, and I've benefited from many of them, and people across the world have done so. And you have been honored uh, at your church by mm. words of encouragement from those across the world. I know that touched you when you heard yes, from deeply. them. Yeah. But those were just words that themselves are like little 70 notebooks. I mean, there's it's so much richer and deeper than just what is written, even in those words and the impact that you've had will be unmeasurable, Roger, and and I know that God has got you set for a next great beginning. What I really admire about what you did, and the reason I asked you to come on to this episode was because you did, first of all, something that I thought was nearly impossible to do, which is to leave a church and stay there conferring a blessing on the next generation in a healthy way. That was phenomenal. And you did it, without knowing what your next landing footprint was going to be, which is absolutely phenomenal. And, th- and not that we all need to be taking steps off cliffs. I'm not advocating that. But what you were motivated by was your decision to move because of where you felt God was calling you, just like Abraham said, get up and go to a land that I will show you. You didn't need to have the land shown to you before you got up, just like Abraham did, to go find it and discover it. And that's what it's really all about. You discover it in the in the going, and I admire you for that because it's so much easier for us to want to have everything locked and loaded to be really clear about it before then we announce our intention to move on.
1: Well, I I would amend that a little bit, um, and that is I I did know where I intended to go. Okay, well then I take back my praise. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to give you five of my notebooks. <laughs> Fair deal. Yeah. Um, I, I did know where I intended to go, and the board fully supported that. So at least in terms of livelihood, I was not taking any risk. Yeah. But what I what never felt really settled about was, where's the challenge? Mm-hmm. Um, I could easily find a place to rest and stay busy but I don't want to rest and stay busy. I yeah. want to be employed about the vocation that I feel called to. Mm-hmm. Now, that has what has unfolded, and, and that has taken some new steps of faith and risk for me, but it's been a joy to do that, and I'm, I'm energized by it.
0: Well, there may be some pastors that are listening to this podcast that are thinking about their own next great beginning, just as you were a couple of years ago. What advice would you give them?
1: I think the first thing would be be in absolute unity with your wife mm. about this. I mean i can't begin to tell you how much the the support and mutuality of my wife joanne how that's what that's meant to me in this process as we've mused and talked and bounced and and she was not threatened by this, but I think if we had not been unified about it, it would have been very threatening to her. Mm. The second thing would be, I would suggest that you find a, a trusted friend, a good listener, maybe somebody outside your church, and just ask them to listen to your thoughts about transition and hear yourself articulate what that means. Because many times when we actually say it, we really hear what our heart is, is believing about that. And yeah, well, I think that's an important step. Yeah,
0: well, let's make that the Challenge Me segment for this episode. Find that trusted friend. Yeah and someone you can talk to and share your ideas about it. And the benefit Roger's is describing here is that it helps you process out loud what you're thinking and why you're thinking it. Mm-hmm. If you get a trusted friend that can ask good questions, it helps increase that clarity as well. And obviously you want to do that with your spouse, but having somebody from the outside as well helps you just get all that much more perspective on it. Well, any other uh, parting advice you would have for our friends who might be considering this kind of transition?
1: Well, I think that we have some unique circumstances around our transition, a a long-term pastorate, 23 years, uh, trust from our elder board, and the real potential of staying. And and by the way, we're only really six months into this, so Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going very well, and I expect it to continue. But really, this whole first year, I consider to be transition mm-hmm. in all of our relationships and the church's response and all that. But it's been very healthy. But I would just suggest that, that whenever, if you're thinking about transition, that you may not have the unique circumstances I had, but there's always a way for it to be healthy for the body of Christ, whether you can stay or not. Mm. And That's the way good. you frame this will determine the, the, the way you leave and the legacy you leave And it will also determine the start for the the person who will succeed you. Mm. You can do so much to set up his fruitfulness by the way you transition yourself out of your current role. Yeah, that's a good metric. What's the healthiest for the body of
0: Christ? Right. That's really good. And on that note, we'll end this episode because we're out of time. But we thank you for joining us. Roger, thanks for being a part of this uh, show. Uh, If you have any questions or comments for Roger, you can leave them on our show notes at reinventure.me slash 25 for episode 25 or leave a question on our show line at 612-314-5447. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you have a great week and until next week this is Larry Gates and Roger Thompson saying so long. So long. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.